This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will be a question session reviewing multiple choice questions related to clubfoot, which is one of the topics we covered this past week on the podcast. So let's get right into it. The first question reads, A three-year-old boy who was treated with Ponsetti method casting demonstrates supination of the affected foot during the swing phase of gait. His ankle has 20 degrees of active and passive dorsiflexion and 45 degrees of plantar flexion. What is the most appropriate treatment? And the choices are 1. Anterior tibialis tendon lengthening. 2. Anterior tibialis tendon transfer to a dorsal lateral foot position. 3. Anterior tibialis tendon transfer through the interosseous membrane to the calcaneus. And 4. Posterior tibialis tendon transfer through the interosseous membrane to the dorsum of the foot. The correct answer to this question is 2. Anterior tibialis tendon transfer to a dorsal lateral foot position. So dynamic supination is a known residual problem after the Ponsetti casting technique is used. Ponsetti applied the principles of the Garciao procedure and transferred the entire anterior tibialis tendon to the lateral cuneiform. The anterior tibialis continues to act as a dorsiflexor of the foot, but with a more advantageous trajectory. Lengthening the anterior tibialis by itself will not redirect the pull of the muscle. Likewise, the posterior tibialis tendon transfer through the interosseous membrane will not address the supinating force of the anterior tibialis. It is used when the anterior and lateral compartment muscles are either not functioning or weak in relationship to the posterior tibialis. The anterior tibialis tendon transfer to the calcaneus has been used successfully in myelodysplasia for calcaneal deformity. Moving on to the next question. A five-week-old infant was evaluated for a unilateral clubfoot. The parents are told their child will have Ponsetti-type management of clubfoot. What is the best description of the initial phase of this treatment? And the choices are 1. Weekly long-leg casts will be applied to first correct the cavus, adductus, and hindfoot varus components, and then a percutaneous Achilles tenotomy will be used to correct the equinus, followed by a final cast. 2. Weekly short-leg casts will be applied to first correct the cavus, adductus, and hindfoot varus components, and then a brace will be used to correct the equinus. Three weekly long leg casts will be applied to correct the equinus first, then an abduction brace will be used to correct the rest of the foot. Four weekly long leg casts will be applied, abducting the forefoot by pushing against the calcaneocuboid joint until the foot is straight, and then the cast will focus on the equinus. The correct answer to this question is 1. Weekly long leg casts will be applied to first correct the cavus, adductus, and hindfoot varus components, and then a percutaneous Achilles tenotomy will be used to correct the equinus, followed by a final cast. So the Ponsetti technique consists of weekly long leg groin to toe casts that correct the components of the clubfoot in the order of cavus, forefoot adductus, hindfoot varus, and equinus. A percutaneous Achilles tenotomy is needed to finish correcting the equinus in almost all cases because bracing a foot in equinus will lead to brace failure attributable to the foot sliding out or blistering. The Ponsetti technique entails pushing against the laterally positioned talar head and reducing the foot around this fulcrum to the proper position of the talonavicular joint. The technique described in response 3, which is weekly long leg cast that will be applied to correct the equinus first, then, an abduction brace will be used to correct the rest of the foot, is Kite's method, which created a rocker bottom foot. Short leg casts are not used in the Ponsetti method. Moving on to the next question. Which of the following is true regarding the Ponsetti method of treating idiopathic talipes equinovarus? And the choices are 1. Equinus is the first component of the deformity to be corrected. 
2 correction of the severe varus deformity of the hind foot is accomplished with pronation of the whole foot into valgus. 3 short leg cast immobilization is utilized. 4 the plane of the metatarsal heads should be turned into supination with the first cast. And 5 the need for a percutaneous Achilles tenotomy can be expected in 20% of cases. The correct answer to this question is 4. The plane of the metatarsal heads should be turned into supination with the first cast. So forcible pronation of the club foot increases cavus deformity and causes a break in the midfoot, failing to control the hind foot. It therefore leaves the hind foot varus uncorrected. Supination is the initial forefoot manipulation, aligning the metatarsals in the same plane. The Ponsetti casting method for the treatment of congenital club foot corrects deformity by addressing cavus, forefoot adductus, hindfoot varus, and lastly, equinus, which you can remember using the cave mnemonic. Cavus is corrected by apparent supination, which actually brings the forefoot into alignment with the hindfoot. Once the metatarsals, cuneiforms, and navicular are in the same plane, they can be used as a lever to laterally displace the navicular on the talus. Ponsetti reviews the principles of treatment of clubfoot. In his experience, Achilles tenotomy is required in 70% of patients and is performed when 15 degrees of dorsiflexion is not attained with casting. Combined with Achilles tenotomy, Ponsetti reports 85-90% to 90 success with manipulative casting of club feet. Moving on to the next question. If a child develops dynamic supination after treatment of idiopathic clubfoot with Ponsetti casting, at what age would it be appropriate to consider transfer of the tibialis anterior tendon to the lateral dorsum of the foot? And the choices are 1. In the first 6 months of life, immediately following failed cast treatment, 2. 12 months, 3. 4 years, 4. 12 years, and 5. 15 years. The correct answer to this question is 3. 4 years. So tibialis tendon transfer to the dorsum of the foot should be performed to address dynamic supination when the lateral cuneiform has ossified. This is typically after at least two years of age and usually not before age three. The indications for tibialis tendon transfer in the setting of residual clubfoot are poor first-ray ground contact, weight-bearing on the lateral border of the foot, and dynamic supination or inversion of the forefoot. Ezra et al. evaluated 27 previously treated club feet in 25 patients whom they treated with anterior tibial tendon transfer. All patients at follow-up demonstrated active contraction of the transferred tendon, none had dynamic supination, and none had overcorrection. Moving on to the next question. A 24-month-old boy with club foot is not walking independently. What is the most likely reason he is not walking independently? And the choices are 1. Neurologic disorder, 2. Hip dysplasia, 3. Intoing, 4. Limb length inequality, and 5. Foot deformity. The correct answer to this question is 1. Neurologic disorder. So children should ambulate independently at about 1 year of age, and although this age may vary, if not ambulating by 18 months, an underlying neurologic or developmental condition should be considered. Clubfoot does not significantly delay ambulation, nor does hip dysplasia or limb length inequality, although this is a common misconception and reason for referral. Torsional deformities, such as intoing, are common and do not alter the age at which a child will ambulate. Moving on to the next question. A child with an idiopathic clubfoot is successfully treated by the Ponsetti method. The risk of recurrence of the deformity is most dependent on which of the following factors. And the choices are 1. Maternal age. 2. Positive family history. 3. Family's compliance with bracing. 
four, the child's age at walking, and five, the child's body mass index. The correct answer to this question is three, family's compliance with bracing. So the recurrence rate of clubfoot deformity after successful correction by the Ponsetti method has been shown to inversely correlate with reported brace compliance. Maternal age, walking age, and body mass index have not been correlated to recurrence. A positive family history increases the risk of a child being born with a clubfoot, but does not influence the recurrence rate. Moving on to the next question. A 16-year-old female complains of foot pain with ambulation. She previously underwent clubfoot soft tissue releases at 5 months of age. Each of the following are complications or late deformities associated with clubfoot surgery except, and the choices are 1, dorsal bunion, 2, osteonecrosis of the talus, 3, rigid pes planus, 4, intoing gait, and 5, tarsal tunnel syndrome. The correct answer to this question is 5, tarsal tunnel syndrome. So traditional surgical treatment of clubfoot deformity with wide release in order to correct the cavus, adduction, varus, and equinus is notable for frequent complications, residual deformity, and secondary surgeries. Tarsal tunnel has not been correlated with previous clubfoot release surgery. Each of the remaining choices are known complications or deformities following clubfoot surgery. Young et al. reviewed 33 cases of deformity following previous clubfoot surgery. Reverse Jones procedure was performed in conjunction with other procedures to fix the first metatarsal phalangeal plantar flexion deformity. They reported improvement in pain, activity, footwear, range of motion, callus, and alignment amongst this cohort. Quo et al. reviewed 134 cases of club feet who underwent surgical release. 16% went on to have secondary surgery. Late deformities including intoing gait, overcorrection, rotatory dorsal subluxation of the navicular, vascular insult to the talus with collapse, and dorsal bunion. Patients who underwent surgery prior to six months of age had poorer results. Moving on to the next question. A three-year-old boy has been treated in the past with Ponsetti casting, now presents with dynamic supination during gait. You're planning to perform an anterior tibialis transfer to the lateral cuneiform. All the following are true except... And the choices are 1. This transfer is required in 10 to 20% of children who undergo the Ponsetti treatment. 2. Weak perineals are counteracted by overpull of the anterior tibialis. 3. Grade 4 or 5 strength of the anterior tibialis is needed prior to transfer. 4. Subtalar rigidity supplements the transfer. And 5. Dynamic supination includes foot supination during swing phase and landing on the lateral foot border during stance phase. The correct answer to this question is 4. Subtalar rigidity supplements the transfer. So the patient has dynamic supination as a result of overpull of the anterior tibialis in relation to the perineal tendons. During the Ponsetti casting, cavus is corrected by aligning the first ray with the remaining metatarsals. Next, abduction of the forefoot using the lateral tailor head as a fulcrum corrects the forefoot adduction and hindfoot varus deformities. At least grade 4 strength is needed prior to the transfer to ensure that dorsiflexion of the foot will be preserved. Subtalar rigidity is a contraindication to anterior tibial tendon transfer. Moving on to the next question. In patients with club feed treated with soft tissue release, which of the following variables shows the greatest correlation with long-term functional impairment? And the choices are 1. Extent of soft tissue release. 2. Subtalar joint function. 3. Ankle joint function. 4. Perineal muscle function, and 5. Duration of cast treatment. The correct answer to this question is 1. Extent of soft tissue release. 
So in patients with idiopathic clubfoot, a correlation has been found between the extent of the soft tissue release and the degree of functional impairment. Dobbs et al. evaluated 45 patients with club feet treated with a posterior release and plantar fasciotomy or an extensive combined posterior, medial, and lateral release. The patients were followed for a mean of 30 years post-treatment. The authors found a correlation between poor long-term functional outcome and patients treated with extensive soft tissue release. And while neither group did well long-term, the authors found that repeated soft tissue releases resulted in stiff, painful, and arthritic feet and significantly impaired quality of life. Quo et al. reviewed 134 cases of club feet who underwent surgical release. 16% went on to have secondary surgery. Late deformities included intoing gait, overcorrection, rotatory dorsal subluxation of the navicular, vascular insult to the talus with collapse, and dorsal bunion. Patients who underwent surgery prior to six months of age had poorer results. Moving on to the next question. When using the Ponsetti technique of club foot correction, the foot is manipulated in, and the choices are one, supination and abduction, two, supination and adduction, three, supination and dorsiflexion, four, pronation and abduction, and five, pronation and dorsiflexion. The correct answer to this question is one, supination and abduction. So the Ponsetti method is widely used for the correction of club feet. Its advantages include simplicity, reliability, and excellent long-term results. When applying a cast according to the Ponsetti method, the first cast is applied with the foot supinated. This dorsiflexes the first ray and helps correct the cavus deformity of the foot. Foot adduction is corrected by abducting the forefoot in supination and rotating the forefoot around the head of the talus. Long leg casts are used and are typically changed on a weekly basis. After about six weeks of casting, an Achilles tenotomy will be required in 90% of patients. Moving on to the next question. A three-year-old boy had been treated with serial casting for a right congenital idiopathic clubfoot deformity. The parents are concerned because the child now walks on the lateral border of the right foot. Examination shows that the foot passively achieves a plantigrade position with neutral heel valgus and ankle dorsiflexion to 15 degrees. The forefoot inverts during active ankle dorsiflexion. Mild residual metatarsus adductus is present. Management should now consist of, and the choices are 1, additional serial casting, 2, a floor reaction ankle foot orthosis, 3, closing wedge cuboid osteotomy, 4, lateral transfer of the anterior tibialis tendon, and 5, posterior tibial tendon transfer through the interosseous membrane to the third metatarsal. The correct answer to this question is for lateral transfer of the anterior tibialis tendon. So dynamic midfoot supination, that is the result of perineal weakness, is a common residual problem after cast correction or surgical reconstruction of a congenital idiopathic club foot. Dynamic supination is unlikely to resolve spontaneously. Most parents do not want to use brace support forever. Transfer of the posterior tibialis to the dorsum of the foot has shown poor results in club feet. Preferred treatments include 1. Transfer of the entire anterior tibialis tendon to the lateral cuneiform, or 2. Split transfer of the anterior tibialis tendon to the cuboid or to the peroneus brevis tendon. Moving on to the next question. Which of the following components of the clubfoot deformity should be addressed first when using the Ponsetti method? And the choices are 1. Cavus, 2. Aquinas, 3. Pronation, 4. Hindfoot alignment, and 5. Metatarsal adduction. The correct answer to this question is 1. Cavus. 
so cavus should be addressed first when using the Ponsetti method to treat clubfoot. To quickly review, idiopathic clubfoot is characterized by forefoot adductus, hindfoot varus, ankle and subtalar equinus, and supination of the entire foot. The forefoot is pronated relative to the hindfoot. Correction of clubfoot requires an organized and sequential methodology. The helpful acronym is CAVE, which describes both the clinical position and the general order of deformity correction in the Ponsetti method. CAVIS is first corrected with forefoot supination via dorsiflexion of the first metatarsal. Some practitioners will add a small degree of abduction to the first cast as well. Metatarsus adductus and hindfoot varus are then simultaneously corrected by abducting the foot and applying counterpressure laterally at the tailor head. Meanwhile, foot supination is slowly decreased during each successive casting. Equinus is corrected last and should only be attempted when the hindfoot is in neutral to slight valgus position. This can be done through progressive stretching and casting or by a percutaneous heel cord tenotomy as is done in a large majority of patients. Noonan et al. review the non-operative management of club feet using several techniques. They note that the Ponsetti method consists of manipulation and casting of idiopathic club feet, while the French method consists of physiotherapy, taping, and continuous passive motion. Moving on to the next question. A five-year-old boy has a history of being treated with the Ponsetti technique for a unilateral club foot. What muscle most commonly causes a dynamic deformity in the swing phase of gait following Ponsetti casting? And the choices are 1. Tibialis posterior, 2. Tibialis anterior, 3. Gastrocnemius, 4. Peroneus longus, and 5. Peroneus brevis. The correct answer to this question is 2. Tibialis anterior. So in clubfoot patients older than 12 to 18 months, a dynamic swing phase supination deformity may develop as a result of medial overpull of the anterior tibialis tendon. Incomplete reduction of the navicular onto the tailor head results in changing the anterior tibialis muscle from predominantly a strong dorsiflexing to a strong supinating force. If uncorrected, this may lead to dynamic deformity during the swing phase of gait. The study by Ippolito et al. found that at long-term follow-up, children treated with Ponsetti's manipulation technique and cast immobilization, followed by an open heel cord lengthening, had better outcomes than those that underwent Ponsetti technique and extensive posteromedial release. The study by Quo et al. reviewed 71 feet who had residual dynamic clubfoot deformity that underwent either split or complete anterior tibial tendon transfer. Both treatments resulted in increased dorsiflexion and eversion range of motion, eversion strength, and correction of forefoot adduction and supination. They concluded that there was little clinical significance between the two surgical approaches. The article by Ponsetti describes his method for the treatment of congenital clubfoot deformity. The cavus deformity is corrected by supination of the forepart of the foot. The varus deformity of the hind foot is corrected with displacement or lateral rotation of the navicular together with the cuboid and the anterior aspect of the calcaneus without pronation of the foot. The foot position is maintained in a toe-to-groin plaster cast with the knee flexed 90 degrees and the foot in maximum external rotation. The equinus is corrected last by dorsiflexion of the foot with the heel in valgus angulation. A tendo-Achilles tenotomy can facilitate correction of equinus. To decrease the risk of recurrence, a Dennis Brown splint is utilized full-time for several months and then converted to part-time wear. Moving on to the next question. Residual cavus after surgical correction of a clubfoot deformity with comprehensive clubfoot release and pinning is caused by what technical error? And the choices are 1. Inadequate Achilles tendon lengthening, 2. Failure to correct hindfoot valgus, 3. Failure to perform a posteromedial imbrication, 
four, placement of the navicular in a dorsally subluxated position, and five, failure to perform a lateral column lengthening. The correct answer to this question is four, placement of the navicular in a dorsally subluxated position. So club foot or congenital talipes equinovarus consists of multiple foot deformities. There is cavus of the foot secondary to a plantar flex first ray, as well as forefoot adductus, hindfoot varus, and equinus. The Ponsetti method is tried first, which requires a series of long leg casts to correct the deformity and almost always an Achilles tenotomy at the end of treatment. Schwend and Drennan provide a thorough description of possible causes as well as workup and treatment of children with cavus foot deformities. They state that cavus has been associated with club foot or residual club foot deformity in 22% of children and is typically associated with placing the tarsal navicular in a dorsally subluxated position at surgery. In general, soft tissue releases with tendon lengthening are favored in recalcitrant clubfoot. The complete subtalar release is described in detail by Simons, although a la carte approaches are more common. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, inadequate Achilles tendon lengthening is incorrect as this would result in persistent aquinas, not cavus. Answer two, failure to correct hindfoot valgus is incorrect as the hindfoot is in a varus deformity, not in a valgus deformity. Answer 3, failure to perform a postromedial imbrication is incorrect as the postromedial capsule is released, not imbricated. And answer 5, failure to perform a lateral column lengthening is incorrect as the lengthening of the lateral column in a club foot deformity would worsen the metatarsus adductus. And moving on to the final question, a tibialis anterior transfer is appropriate for which of the following patients with club foot? And the choices are 1, newborn with forefoot adduction. Two, three-year-old with a foot that supinates when he dorsiflexes. Three, six-month-old residual aquinas after casting. Four, five-year-old boy with a fixed hindfoot varus. And five, two-year-old with a foot that pronates when he plantar flexes. The correct answer to this question is two, three-year-old with a foot that supinates when he dorsiflexes. So transferring the anterior tibialis or doing a split transfer is appropriate for clubfoot patients who are found to have dynamic supination once ambulatory following Ponsetti treatment. Clubfoot congenital talipes equinovarus can be thought of as having four deformities using the cave mnemonic, where C stands for cavus midfoot, A stands for adducted forefoot, V stands for varus hindfoot, and E stands for equinus. The Ponsetti method begins with correction of cavus by aligning the first ray with the remaining metatarsals. Subsequent manipulation and casting utilizes lateral pressure on the distal tailor head as a fulcrum to correct the forefoot adduction and hindfoot varus. The last step is the correction of Aquinas, which may require tendo-Achilles release in greater than 90% of patients. Subsequent dynamic forefoot adduction slash supination requires transfer of the anterior tibialis laterally in 15-20% to of patients. Osteotomies should be considered in rigid deformities. Laveg and Ponsetti published their long-term results in 1967 showing effectiveness of tibialis anterior tendon transfer to the third cuneiform as helpful for eliminating recurrent cavus deformities and straightening the forefoot during ambulation. Dobbs et al. wrote a review with Ponsetti of his methods in the Iowa Orthopedic Journal discussing their treatment of clubfoot. Optimal timing of tibialis anterior transfers is between 2.5 to 3 years of age when the muscle becomes a powerful supinator. That's all for this question review session about clubfoot. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets. 
the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.